Welcome, I'm Nestor Flores, the pastor of Dayspring Church in Mission Hills, California. Thank you for tuning in to our podcast. I want to invite you to learn more about Dayspring Church by visiting our website, dayspringmh.org. We trust that if you open your heart, God will speak to you and you'll know how to live a life with God at the center that will result in a blessed life. This message will inspire, build your faith, and help you to know God better. Enjoy the message. Hello, and welcome to our online worship experience. Since we can't meet in our church physically, we're making our homes a sanctuary these days, and we are receiving the presence of God in our homes. We are consecrating our homes, and as a family, we're worshiping together and also receiving God's word. For this reason, the Holy Spirit is present in your house to bless, to build you up, to heal, and to meet your needs. Therefore, open your heart today to the work of the Holy Spirit and receive what God has for you. If you're with us for the first time, I want you to know that we're really happy that you joined us today. And to all our campuses and microsites, uh, we love you and please receive a warm greeting from all of us. You know, we are living in a unique time in history. We are in a health crisis due to the coronavirus, as we all know. We're also in a financial crisis caused by this same pandemic. And now we are in a crisis of social unrest across the country due to police brutality that resulted in the murder of George Floyd. Large crowds have come to the streets in protest demanding changes. This act has brought about uh, serious, suppressed issues in the country. Uh, Things that were always there in a latent form but now have resurfaced. Things like racism, discrimination, inequality, intolerance, injustice, abuse of power, and, and the list goes on. And people invigorated by this pain and anger and dissatisfaction have joined the cause of social justice. I think that we all feel the pain and and outrage uh, at these uh, reprehensible actions by the police. And we truly want changes, all the changes that are necessary to ensure the safety and well-being of all the citizens of our country. At the same time, there's a desire in all of us to do something, to contribute in some way about how we can help to bring about these changes and eradicate injustice. But what can we do? I think that there's four areas in our life that can be the the point where we can begin to produce permanent change, good change, the kind of change that will benefit our nation. What are those four things? Well, I think that It begins with each one of us individually. And then it follows by our family. And then it's followed by the church. And and finally, it needs to be brought about by our culture. So today, I want to talk to you about those four things to begin our message this, this, this day. First, let's talk about individually. As individuals, we need to recognize that every person is created in the image of God. Let me repeat that again. We need to recognize that every person is created in the image of God. We need to recognize that every person has the same value, 
because we were all created by God. That value is, is in each one of us. That, that, that the value of the person is not determined by the color of their skin or by their nationality or by their socioeconomic status or by their education, but rather the value of each individual person is there by the fact that God formed us in our mother's womb. No one chose the family they were to be born into, nor which country they would be born in, nor the color of their skin. So the first change that must happen is a change in our hearts. We have to look at every human being and say, that person has the same value that I have. We need to develop a heart that cares about and seeks the welfare of all human beings. This requires getting out of our comfort zone and being willing to interact with people who are a little bit different than us, to not only see them with our eyes, but to seek to understand them. Where you stand depends on where you sit, someone said. When you sit with those who have experienced social injustice, your stance may change because you will begin to understand better. The second area of change happens in the family. In this area is where we transfer our values and ways of thinking to our children. Much of what we do, we catch from our parents. Children catch things by what they see, what they hear, but also by the attitudes of their parents. The next generation can be different because of the influence of each one of us. When we influence our children in the way that that they see how we act and how we think, great changes will happen in our children when they grow up in an environment that values the sanctity of life. In a culture that embraces diversity and opens its hearts to everyone. The third area of change is in the church, the body of Christ. The bride of Christ must be the place that embraces diversity and and promotes unity. The church must promote a system of values that God established as the norm of human beings and how they should behave and relate to one another. The church must, must model these values and this unity. The church is the hope of the world because Jesus is the hope of the world. In the past, it has been the church that has brought about great changes in our society. And and today, it can also become that change agent. The fourth area of change is, is in our culture. Now, I believe that this social crisis is also revealing a deeper crisis. And that is the crisis of spirituality. There is a spiritual crisis. Today, more than ever, we need God. We need the love of Jesus Christ to reign in our hearts. Today, more than ever, we need the healing power of Jesus. Today, more than ever, we need the guidance of the Holy Spirit so that we would know how to navigate through these troubled waters and do everything possible to obtain and preserve unity. The Apostle Paul expressed it in this way in Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 and 11, when he says this, Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? 
Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. Do not be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others better than yourselves. Do not look only for your own interests, but take interest in others too. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position as a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Therefore, God elevated him to a place of highest honor and gave him the name above all names, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In verse 3, Paul says, Don't be selfish, thinking of others as better than yourself. In other ways, in other words, don't act like you are better than anyone. Rather, we are to live our life considering other people more important than us. One of the greatest enemies that we have is selfishness. And in this passage, the Apostle Paul tells us you shouldn't have this idea of yourself as being any better than anyone else. You shouldn't put yourself first, but rather seek first to, to place the interest of other people. You know, unity is what elevates us. In this passage, when someone elevates uh, themselves, uh, when they think that they are superior to others, it just leads to destruction. And, and I think these days we, we've kind of seen that. But when we seek unity, God blesses us. Paul is calling us to unity because it builds us up. You see, there's a principle here that, that when we humble ourselves, that God's going to bless us. The principle that Paul is trying to teach us is that, is that unity is a blessing to our lives. But when we try to elevate ourselves, then we only lead ourselves into a destructive uh, kind of life. The more we humble ourselves and the more we seek the welfare of others, the more God will lift us up and bless us. Look at what the Bible says in Psalm 133, verses 1 and 3, which is a beautiful psalm. And I, I want you to, to look at it because it, it paints a picture for us of what unity is to be and how we are to engage it, and, 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 the, and the blessing that comes when, when we pursue unity in our life. Look at what the Bible says. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as, it is as if dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. 
in this passage, we learn why it is that we need to seek unity. And I don't have a, a lot of time. This could be a series in and of itself. But let me see if I can just paint a picture for you. The picture that, that uh, the psalmist is trying for us to see. The first thing that we need to understand is that we need to seek unity because unity is good for me. You heard it right. Unity is actually good for me. Unity produces good things in our life. What kind of things? Well, let's look at what the Bible says. He says, how good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. Now, I want you to look at these two words, good and pleasant. Good means satisfactory or perfect. In other words, this is what God requires of us. Pleasant means that when we do what God requires, the result will be delightful. It will be beautiful and it will be enriching. Living together in unity is when together we share our faith in God. It is when we seek after God together in worship. And it is in the midst of this community that something beautiful, something delightful, something enriching happens. What happens? Well, look at what happens. Let me, let me delineate this a little bit. It is in community, number one, that, that I can love and be loved. Yes, it is in community that we experience love. We are loved. And it is in community that gives us the opportunity to also love other people. The Bible says this in John chapter 13, verse 34. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Love is the biggest unifying factor of all. You, you heard it right. You see, love is what brings us together. It is, it, is the, it is the most powerful unifying factor of them all. And so if you say, well, how do, I, how do I pursue unity? You pursue unity by loving. And it is only when you receive the love of God that you will have the capacity to love other people. And love is, is not only a feeling. Love is also an action. Love is something you do. Yes, of course we feel, but, but there's more to it than that. There's, there's action that takes place. In other words, it is in community that we demonstrate our love to one another. Well, I can go on and on, but I, I have to continue. The second thing that we see is this, that it is in community that I can receive and offer forgiveness. It is in community that I can receive and then offer forgiveness. Look at what Colossians chapter 3 verse 13 says. It says, make allowance for each other's faults and forgive one another who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Hey, let me read it again. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Forgiveness is the most powerful liberating agent that we have. Now, I know that this doesn't seem 
right? Because you see, logically, we would think that holding grudges would be the right thing to do when somebody hurts us. But here, it's telling us that if we want to be free to experience God's best, we have to forgive. In fact, the scripture that we just read tells us that we have to forgive just like we've been forgiven. Now, forgiveness, forgiveness is not an easy thing, but it is a powerful thing. Because only forgiveness can free us from emotional bondages. Only forgiveness can free us from resentment and bitterness and and hate. It is only when you forgive that you will be free from your past so that you can enjoy your present and then move towards your future. See, if you don't forgive, you will be stuck in the past. You will always remember what they did. You will always remember what somebody did to you and how they hurt you. But but you can't move to embrace the fullness of your future until you first forgive. And when you forgive, it opens the doors for you to pursue the things that God has prepared for you. The third thing is that it is in community that I can give and receive encouragement. The Bible says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 11. says, so encourage each other and build each other up just as you are already doing. There is power in community to lift our spirits. People come and, and they hug us and they give us a word of encouragement and, 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 they, and, they, and they do something kind. All these things bring about in us encouragement and they lift us up and they stimulate us also towards good works. Even in the midst of struggle as we are together, we, we, we realize that we're not alone. Even when we're struggling, it is, it, is, it is so much better to struggle with people around you. You see, when you struggle by yourself, you know, that's a hard thing. But if there are people around you, you know that you're not the only one that is hurting. But that we're all hurting together and we all encourage each other that this pain will end and we will get to the other side. It is in community, the fourth thing, that I can find peace, prayer, and healing. The Bible says this in James chapter 5, verse 16. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. This text says that in community, we can confess our sins. We often say that the power of sin is in the secret. That's right. When you Try to hide it when you pretend that you didn't do anything wrong. But you know what? Freedom comes when you confess. Once you confess your sin, you open the door to forgiveness. If you keep it hidden, you'll never be forgiven. It is only when you you confess it that you open the door to forgiveness in your life. And it is only when you are forgiven that peace comes. When you confess your sins and you are forgiven, there is a peace that comes in your life. And this is what the scripture is trying to tell us today. The result will be healing of soul, mind, and spirit. The second thing we learn about unity and why we should seek it is this. Unity activates the outpouring of the anointing. Let me say it again. Unity activates the outpouring of the anointing. Look at what verses 2 and 3 says. 
It's like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down on the collar of his robe. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now here the psalmist is illustrating uh, unity by using two different types of images. First, the image of the anointing oil and then the dew of Mount Hermon. The precious oil speaks about something sacred. It is a sweet fragrance. Let me repeat that again. Oil speaks about something sacred, something holy. Because you see, oil represents the Holy Spirit. And it also represents this, 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 this aromatic fragrance, this sweet aroma. And it represents God's beautiful presence. This points to, to the anointing of God's blessing. And, and, there's, and there's this picture of, of the dew of Hermon, you know, just flowing, flowing, flowing down. And the oil that starts, you know, in the head of Aaron. Aaron was the high priest. And so you, you notice that when he was anointed, the oil just flowed all over. And, it, and just kept, kept on flowing down and flowing down all the way to the end of his garments. This talks to us about how God wants to bless you. He wants to start at the top and continue the blessing and continually bless you. An entire covering of blessing. And he's saying that unity is like that because it is in unity that we find this enormous blessing. The image of oil being poured down it's, it's an image of kind of a, an excessive way. It, it's kind of God saying it's going to, this blessing is going to be excessive. This blessing is going to be great. This blessing is going to cover all the areas of your life. This blessing it, that comes from heaven, it comes from the top, but it's going to cover everything in your life. It is excessive. It is overflowing. It is abundant. And it is manifested in three ways. Look at what the scripture tells us. First, it is manifested in community. For in community, God releases his power. It's in unity that the power of God is released in our life. Look at what verse 2 says. It is like the precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe. Now, there is something about unity that pleases God. It pleases God so much that he releases blessing in the midst of it. There's something about God's people being together. Now, I understand that right now we can't be together physically, but we are together in the spirit. We are together right now because the church, the body of Christ, you are the body of Christ. And, and there are others that are also being part of this service even right now. And so we are united in heart and spirit. And there's something about unity where God releases power. And I believe that God is going to release his power in your life today. 
He's going to release it while you celebrate communion. He's going to release it by, by worshiping. He's going to release it by you hearing his word. God is going to do something powerful in your life because it is in community. It, it, is, it is when we worship together. It, it is when we are, we are in fellowship that God pours down blessing upon us. This power descends from on high, but it saturates the whole body. The second thing that we find is that in community, we motivate each other to draw closer to God. We motivate each other to draw closer to God. The Bible says this in verse 2, the second part. Running down the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down to the collar of his robe. This oil that descends is a sweet fragrance. A sweet fragrance tends to be pleasing and attractive. We, 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 when, when somebody smells good, you say, mm, that smells good. Or when you walk into your house and it smells nice, it, it kind of leads you to the kitchen, right? Unity reveals God's work in people's lives. And when people begin to share how God is working and operating in their life, there's a sweet fragrance. It, it draws us near. We want to hear more. We want to know more. You know why? Because we want God to do a similar work in our life. And so it draws us together. And it draws us closer to God because it is, it is God it is God that, 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 that allows for this power to be bestowed in our life. It flows from him to us. And it draws us, draws us closer to him because we want God to work in our lives, don't we? And the third thing is that in community, we find growth and life. In verse 3, it says it this way. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. Now, you, you, you got to understand this a little bit to be able to understand this. Uh, Mount Hermon was the, the tallest peak, the tallest mountain in Israel. And uh, Mount Zion was, was at a very lower elevation. And so when he talks about this dew, in Mount Hermon, there, uh, there was snow and it rained there. And so this water would flow from the mountain. And this, and this water that would flow would, would produce life in the valley. This water would irrigate all the land. And when the, and when the land received this water, it, it sprouted new life. That's the image that, that the psalmist is trying to bring about. You say, well, then why is he talking about Zion? You see, Zion is talking about Jerusalem. It is the center of worship. It is from there that spiritual life was to flow. It is Zion that reminds us of Jesus, of his death and resurrection that brought about life. And so the psalmist is really talking prophetically about something that he has not seen, but will happen because at the end, this is where life is going to flow. And real life flows not from the abundance of things we have, but rather it flows from the relationship that we have with God. And life begins to sprout and something new begins to happen in each one of our lives. And the third reason why we should seek unity is that unity releases blessing and life. 
The psalmist ends with these words, for there the Lord sends blessing and everlasting life. Unity bless us in an excessive way and it covers all the areas of our life and it covers everything to such a degree that it makes sure that the final words are these, that this blessing is given to you eternally, that you can also receive the blessing of eternal life. It ends by saying that the the greatest thing you could ever receive is eternal life. And this eternal life comes from God and it is given to us in in the midst of unity and we pursue it because God has decided that he is going to send his blessing upon us. Isn't that great? Eternal life. You see, if you don't have Jesus Christ, then you really aren't living to the fullest. It is only when you have Jesus Christ that you can be forgiven. It is only when you have Jesus Christ in your heart that your heart can change. It is only when you have Jesus Christ that your mind can be renewed. It is only when you have Jesus Christ that you can begin a new life again. And so I want to finish today by saying to you, the psalmist is saying, look, God is wanting to bless you. And he's brought you together. He's brought you here to watch this message. Maybe because somebody invited you to or connected you to it. But you're here and he wants to give you life and he wants to bless you. But the greatest blessing you can receive is eternal life. Would you open your heart to receive it? Would you open your heart to receive the life that he has for you? I hope you will. In fact, we hope you enjoyed this message. But before you go, we want to extend an invitation to start a personal relationship with Jesus and declare him your God. No one loves you like Jesus, and no one will impact your life for good like Jesus will. Would you make the following prayer your prayer? Heavenly Father, I repent of my wrongdoing. I open my heart and I want to have a personal relationship with you. I trust that Jesus died so I could be forgiven, but he didn't stay dead. He rose back to life so I could have eternal life. From today on, I will follow you, transform my life through your truth and love. In Jesus' name, amen. Congratulations. If you made that prayer, God lives in you and now you have a new life in him. Connect to a church so your faith and love for God can continue to grow. We believe that you can find a loving and encouraging community in Dayspring Church. Come visit us. You belong here. We would love to meet you.